here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dharmic Evolution. Great to be here with you again. Hey, we're going to Philadelphia today with this uh, really great artist who just released a new single called Queen. Before we get into it, though, I want you to please go over to dharmicevolution.com and sign up for your favorite platform. And if you're digging this show, please forward it to someone you love. And you can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts if you really like the show. And we are glad that you do. This Philadelphia-born artist who has adapted her music life in the Music City has changed from a singer-songwriter genre to the pop genre and has exceeded the expectations of many. She spins tales of twisted love, dark secrets, and haunted stories. The dark pop sound of her music complements her powerful and seductive voice. She released her debut pop single, Queen, this year in 2020. She made a bold statement with her personality and hardcore vibe, a far cry from her early musical upbringings in musical theater. You better strap up your seatbelts, because we're taking a ride today from the Music City, all the way to the city of brotherly love, and back again with Danny Felt. Danny Felt, welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. You know, yeah. um, you're a Philadelphia girl originally, correct? Yes, I am. Philadelphia. Yeah. So we're practically related because I grew up in New Jersey. So <laughs> it's like... There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So um, have you relocated or you still live in Philly? Yeah. So I actually lived outside Philly and then moved to New York and then moved to Nashville. So now I'm in Nashville. Okay. So here it is. I guess we just can't keep apart, right? And we didn't even know it. <laughs> it's a great town, isn't it? Oh my God. I love it. I've only been here for like over a year. Yeah. So I'm still learning right. a lot. But yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing. Fantastic. Um, by the way, congratulations on your new single out that is Queen, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah we're super going excited to be that. It's finally out. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be playing uh, a few tracks uh, with Danny today. Um, I wanted to just uh, dip in really quickly to your past and how you came up with uh, the sound that you have right now and the sound you've been working towards. Um, it's sort of contemporary. I, I don't know. It's it's not pop. It's kind of, kind of a combination of pop and rock, um, you know, and it's it's, I see that there's some heartbreak things going on. So, um, you know, is that from your own personal experiences that you were writing about? Um, which, which one? John well, we have heartbreak and then heartache or dr I'm sorry, yeah. drowned in heartache. Drowned in heartache. Whew. Yeah. That was when I was in high school and that was about a guy I met in high school who like totally quote unquote, broke my heart as like a high schooler because he like wouldn't go to this dance with me. And like, you know, we were, I guess, almost dating and then not. And then he kind of like broke it off because I guess what his friend said or something. I don't know, some peer pressure thing. And I was like heartbroken. And I went to this camp when I was 16 to write and record. And he's like, write music, write lyrics. And I guess I was sad about this guy, so I took it out and kind of made it way more dramatic than it was, you know? Was like, oh, this guy isn't nice. I'm going to write about it. And, you know, made it extremely dramatic. And, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, high school. So did you have right. any kind of music, musical uh, experience before that, or you were brand new to the idea of being creative as a, as a musical person? So I... I was practically born singing. I was singing nursery rhymes at two years old, memorizing all these rhymes, nursery rhymes, singing in front of my parents. Um, they were like cheering me on. So like at two years old, I learned <clears throat> that, you know, being a performer is fun to just like sing in, in front of people. So I was doing it since I was two. And then I started doing voice lessons when I was 10. And so, um, yeah, I've been doing this like a really, really long time. 
You know, um, people in your family, were they musical? Did you get any of this from your father, your mother, sisters, brothers, anybody like that? How did you first get connected? Somebody must open the door for you. Ironically, if you mean connected in the way of like wanting to sing and stuff, I actually found out that my dad's second cousin um, is Linda Creed, who died, but she wrote the song The Greatest Love of All. Um, wow. So <laughs> it's like, I think it's like her step cousin or second cousin. So it's like kind of in my genes. And my grandma actually also sang a lot when she was younger, but didn't really pursue it because she was just like nervous. Um, and then my mom is an artist. She's like a painter. So she's incredibly talented at painting, but isn't a musician. And my dad is definitely not a musician, but they both have a huge passion for music. So, yeah. Well, I would say around music. you were a little <laughs> bit surrounded by the creative uh, vibe, you know. And uh, the greatest love of all, you are referring to the Whitney Houston Grand Slam monster <laughs> smash. What a song. My goodness. What a song. I remember when she came out and sang that in her, uh, this was when MTV was really breaking out and she did that video with her, her, I think it was her aunt was in the wings, you know, at the end she runs over and gives her a big hug. But, uh, but yeah, what a, what a great song. So you got, you got connected at camp, but you always had this going on in the house. So as time went on, you started to develop your chops as a musician, your like interests and who who were you listening to? Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Um, I did voice lessons since I was 10. I did like the musicals and theater in like high school, middle school, pretty sure elementary school. Like I always loved theater. I always loved music. And then I started doing poetry, I think in middle school. And then I kind of combined my love for like writing words and music and put them into songwriting. And I was like, wow, this is so much fun, you know? So yeah, it's been like a really, really long process. And I also went to other camps for like rock band, you know, where I got to like record covers and another camp where like I was performing live with like a band so like I was doing like so many music things as a kid that I just got really used to just like being in studios, writing, recording, performing, all of it at a really young age. So yeah. Well, let's give everybody a taste. This one's called Gone.
gone. Heartbreak and misery. What's going on in that one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That song. This is a crazy story. So I got a text message that my grandfather had passed away as I was on the way to do a writing session in New York with my friend Zach Lavender. And I went to um, see him and work on the song and he showed me the song was called gone and i was like that's so freaky so like i feel like i channeled helping him finish that song that night through my grandfather's like energy you know because literally he wrote a song about someone that left and then i found out like an hour before i saw him that my grandfather just passed away so like to me that song's like so powerful like every time i hear that song i'm like connected to him and his spirit and like it's just crazy like it was really really like weird <laughs> yeah everything everything lined up the way it was supposed to though and, and my condolences about losing your grandfather but um you know when somebody's so deep into music like you are everything sort of ties together you know like you can you can kind of see life's messages in in the work you're doing you know because everything's kind of interconnected it seems yeah, I just thought it was crazy that he happened to have a song called Gone the day, like he showed it to me the day I found that out. I was like, whoa. Yeah. You know, and then I totally feel like I channeled that with him, just like writing that really fast because of like that whole thing. I was like, wow. Yeah. It's crazy, like how music <clears throat> can really just bring out the most powerful, how life situations, I mean, can bring out the most powerful music. When you're when anything happens, it's like it's crazy. But yeah. yeah, that was a crazy experience for sure. You seem to be keeping very busy despite um, all the craziness with the COVID and everything. I don't want to talk too much about that, but um, but you you seem to be like working a lot, you know, based on what I've seen with you on social media. We're connected now on Spotify and of course Instagram and Facebook. Um, but how have you been doing? Like, how would how is th how are things at home? Like in Philly, have you been in touch with uh, all your homies and your family back there? Like, how are they dealing with everything? Is everything you know okay there outside of yeah? Uh, you know, I mean, I talk to I sorry, I talk to my parents. Um, I've talked to my mom pretty often. I'm pretty close with her. I talk to my dad sometimes too, but he's yeah, he's a little more business logical person. But it's good to talk to both of them. I haven't been home for like over a year. So um, I was going to because um, my sister's like wedding just happened virtually, but like um, she's doing another one like in a year. And I was told not to go home. Like my parents did not want me home. It's too, too much of a chance of like whatever spreading things from airplanes and whatever. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> like I tried, but you know, um, but I, I talk to them pretty often, you know, well, it's also um, a challenge relocating too. It takes a little time to settle in and, you know, you don't have the same. And now, especially because you moved at a, a really odd time. It's ex almost the same time that I moved down here. And it was like, you just kind of getting settled in. And then it was like, all right, there's no social uh, socializing. <laughs> there's no seeing anybody. There's uh, the highlight of your week is going for food <laughs> and things like that. So it's a weird, yeah. a weird time, you know, but um, for people who are fortunate enough that they can keep busy creatively, um, it's not so, so bad. It's kind of different if you're, um, if you have to report somewhere and drive somewhere and you don't have that anymore. But um, as creators, we can kind of do it anywhere. Like we can just, you know, pick up a piano, guitar, notebook, whatever, and just start creating, you know. Yeah. Definitely. So let's talk a little bit about your business world. Um, you know, I yeah. just I just learned that you were like you're doing this artist empowerment where you're coaching and helping people, helping artists um, gain some traction and some foothold into the business world of music. And what possessed you to um, to get involved with this? Like, how long ago did this start? And by the way, congratulations! This is really a, a worthwhile. Um, you know, endeavor that you've uh, decided to take on. Thank you. Um, I actually started because of my 
I was in like this music organization in college and we were trying to come up with ways to raise money or ways to like, I guess, I think it was for raising money. It was like different activities. And I thought, Ooh, let's make a compilation album to raise money. And they were like, cool. But then they're like, we don't have time, but you can do it. You can go run it. And I was like, what? I've never let anything like, you know, I'm so new at this. What are you talking about? And it was that point that I learned so many things that I loved. I loved leadership. I loved project management. I loved finding the right people. I went and found the talent for the compilation album. We ended up raising money for the Linda Creed Breast Cancer Foundation, which is like my dad's second cousin um, organization, you know. So he was connected already to them. And so I got to hand a check to them. I think it was like $1,000 or something. It was really cool. You know, it was a really cool moment. And so I realized so many things that artists can make an impact with their music that anyone can do anything, you know, even if they've never had any experience. I learned I love the business side. And from there, a year later, I interned at a music PR company in London and was like all around that. I actually had the guts to walk up to Robin, the artist, when I was an intern and handed her my business card and I got in trouble for that. I'm not supposed to do that. But I totally did because I was like the naive, you know, college student, and I was like, "Hey, here's my music, just so you know." Now, who did you who did you hand it to? Robin, did you say? Robin, like this famous '80s like artist. Oh, is it R O B I N? R O B Y N. Oh, okay. She's like I, I... really famous in like the UK. She's like older artist, but. Somehow, like, that ended up getting me fired. Like, I don't know. I did a bunch of things that I didn't do right. So I got fired from that. And because of that, I came home to the States, and I was like, I want to start my own thing. I want to prove everyone I can do my own thing. If they fire me, fine. But, like, I want to do something. I yeah. want to get involved. Like, I, I just watched this whole company exist. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, I want my own thing. So I started a music blog knowing practically nobody, but I started adding people that went to Berkeley on Facebook because I figured they'd be talented. So I just started friend requesting like all these Berkeley students and, you know, started this music blog. That's fantastic. Yeah, it grew to over 300 people in a few years. And before I knew it, I got invited to like cover with my ex-business partner, the, I think it was like the CSEC Pop Awards, um, we got to interview Trevor Gale, who was like the XVP of CSAC. Um, we got to interview um, Kuber, like Justin Bieber's producer, and like a bunch of other people. So I realized like being on the industry side was a really great way to build relationships as opposed to just being a singer songwriter. So yeah, that's kind of how I got started it's like a long story but that's like the beginning <laughs> that's fantastic let's circle back to that but first i want to play for everybody this one is called drown in heartache And plead to me you're sorry And plead to me you're sorry Cut on every word you said Fixed on memories you dread Playing back in my mind Playing back in my mind You and I were meant to be Don't you miss those days with me Alleviate the pain for me Alleviate the pain for me You scream to me, you hate me Denying how you feel Afraid to ever face the fact Our fairy tale was real You scream to me, you hate me But that's not how you feel You're too blind Real. Criticize 
Pretending everything's fine Pretending everything's fine Distracted by the surreal nights When there was no futile fights That was when you loved me That was when you loved me You screamed to me, you hate me Denying how you feel Afraid to ever face the fact Our fairy tale was real You scream to me, you hate me But that's not how you feel You're too blind to ever see What we had was real Afraid to ever face the fact Our fairy tale was real You screamed to me, you hate me But that's not how you feel You're too blind to ever see What we had was real You screamed to me, you hate me Denying how you feel to ever face the fact our fairy tale was real you scream to me you hate me but that's not how you feel you're too blind to ever see what we had was real was real excellent song excellent song um just going back for a second to the conversation we were just having before the song started. Um, so you found out that this business world was so appealing to you and it gave you some extra ammunition to say, I'm not just going to hang around waiting for people to come to me um, because it really seems to have, have empowered you to say, I know what to do with this situation. I'm not just going to wait for the phone to ring. I'm going to aggressively go after that. So did it come in some certain order for you, Danny, as far as did you address, let me find out about record companies first. Like when you when you took all these things out and laid them out and said, you know, what am I going to attack first as far as building your own business and brand and how to do all that? So it started out, this is like so full circle because when I went to London at my internship, I also... Um, I was guided to walk on the street and connect with this person that was looking for volunteers to sell music therapy, like raffle at this like giant like music thing. Like I forget what it and it was like one of the biggest music venues. Um, I think Stevie Wonder was playing there, and so I ended up getting chosen out out of like two out of all these people. This one guy actually got chosen. He gave me the ticket to be at the VIP ticket. The VIP like stand basically and so from there I was selling tickets in the VIP area I was like this is so cool this is amazing and I met Henry who was my one of my ex-business partners I have a lot of them and um so I basically met my business partner from getting to volunteer for this thing and then he's the one that saw my blog and was like this could be something really cool so when I first was starting out I was kind of like what's your favorite color and like random questions and then he was like, no, we should make this like something that actually can like help serve artists and like show them like how to make it in the music industry. So fast forward from that, I moved to New York because I actually auditioned for The Voice. And because of that, I found um, my roommate, which is like funny. And then eventually I started doing events with my other friend, Jamil. So we started doing events, had this blog, it was like networking events, showcases. And I, I learned I'm really good at connecting people together. Right. You know? So, yeah, we started doing that. And eventually I end up trying to do A&R for companies and consulting. And then I basically started another company years later, which is what I have now. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like a long thing for sure. So when you say you would do events like um – 
like when you do like when there's a bu- whole bunch of different events so when you're trying to connect to people like what kind of event would you put on um for that like just to connect people like how would that work we were doing showcases so it was like half networking like the room was like people are networking as the showcases which was interesting because some of the people like weren't listening to the bands right they were talking but it was cool because we got to like showcase artists we got to connect like people in industry so like filmmakers painters artists musicians business people like I would just throw a bunch of events. It was like really fun. Yeah. Um, and people loved it, but it was a lot of work, <laughs> like a lot of work for not a lot of money. So eventually I had to stop, but it was a really cool experience and it definitely helped build, I guess, like my reputation in the business side, like someone that can like put these events together and be a leader, you know, especially cause I just moved to New York at that point. So it was, yeah, it was really fun. So tell us about um, your take uh, as far as business on on Spotify. Um, you know, I always say on the show, I said, uh, you know, I love it as a consumer, hate it as an artist, but it really is. I'm starting to change my mind a little bit because the streaming is going to be. It's here to pretty much to stay. You know, I mean, until I mean, really, uh, delivery systems are still it's just a whole combination of things you know vinyls coming back cds are going away streaming is roaring you know we're not playing out uh, you know or very very limited events that most people can do so um so i'm always trying to to like keep a conversation going amongst all of us uh creators just to keep you know keep thinking about it you know because solutions will eventually come if you think and talk about it enough um so where do you come down on let's say you're advising clients or artists helping them out on streaming are you are you counseling them to to use streaming services like spotify and things like that i think it's not about one platform it's about combining as many different ways to monetize yourself as possible. Right. So I think Spotify is like one tool, but I also think people should really be focusing on who are their super fans? Where are they? Are they on Instagram? Are they on Facebook? Do they have a custom Facebook group that they can go in and do lives? Can they start monetizing that group? Do they have an email list? Do they have merch they can sell? Do they have a Patreon so they can get paid $5, $50, $100 a month to just like support them in whatever they do? I mean, I don't think it's just about Spotify. I think it's about figuring out who are your fans, what are you going to sell, what is your brand, and how can you monetize that? Because if you have 100 people selling, if you have 100 people buying something for $1,000, that's $100,000. Or if you have 1,000 people buying something for $100, that's $100,000. So I don't think artists should focus as much like one platform. I think it's about overall being everywhere, you know, and figuring out where your fans are. If you have older fans, you might want to focus more on Facebook. If you have millennial fans, you might want to focus more on TikTok and Instagram. I mean, it really just depends on like where your audience is and like what they like and what resonates with them. You know, some people might want to watch long form content like YouTube videos, some people might want to watch like really short content, like on Instagram. So it just varies, it varies so much. But basically the main point is to just make sure you understand who your fans are, where they are, what your brand is, what you're selling. You know, an artist needs to look at themselves like a business and not just doing it for fun. If they want to make money doing it, they can. People can pay you on Venmo for doing live streams. There's a really cool app that just came out. I'm trying to think of what it's called. That is really cool because you go on the app and then you can monetize your shows and you can like pre-record it or go live. And then they can buy these things called um, lemons, which are like these like points and like it's really cool. Limelight, that's what it's called. Limelight? Limelight? Like oh, I'll have to check app. that out. It sounds like a great idea. Yeah, I can definitely introduce you to the founder of that. My friend is in New York, and he introduced me to her, and I was like, this is really cool. Yeah. So there's definitely, like, a lot of solutions out there for artists to make money. I think with Spotify, like, they should get on playlists, but you have to be really careful because 
a lot of companies these days have all these bots and then that ruins their algorithm. So like you just have to be extremely cautious of like who you're working with. And like, I think better strategy is definitely using social media to drive traffic to Spotify versus like hiring a lot of companies where there's a ton of like farms and bots and just like, it hurts your algorithm. That stuff never works. I, I was, I was guilty of that when I started my podcast and, and you know, they they had people in Bangladesh They They all seem to be in Bangladesh. We will broadcast you all around the world. And then I made this guy go on and show me like what he was doing. He actually did a video of his office and he had all these people in his office just going on my website or on iTunes and just clicking download download i said that's not getting me that's not fans that's just like you know and it was all phony baloney stuff so you learn these things the hard way you know but um i think i think right now in being a musician we we thought years ago that when email and and the internet came out this is going to be great this is going to be an ability to um you know to do all these things and now it seems like you know, to be as ubiquitous as you just described, it's a lot of work because you you are like really, um, and I have some really good people helping me, but to try to do all of the things that you try to need, you need to do in one day or one week, um, it's really challenging to keep up. And I, I feel like my greatest challenge and many others has been how do I stop chasing the shiny metal objects? You know, a new distraction yeah. comes in every day and it's like, well, maybe this is the best thing. So mm-hmm. I have to agree with you that you're, you're absolutely correct and that you have to find out where do I belong? Where do I fit? Where do I get the most amount of juice for the hours I'm putting in? And you have to lay a lot of this stuff to the wayside and say, I can't be on every platform in the world. You know, there's just too many of them. And some musicians might find themselves not wanting to be famous and just making music. And they can make so much money just putting their music in libraries, you know? There's so many different ways. Or monetizing your skills, like teaching guitar lessons on Zoom or creating an online course that you can, like, use your skills. It's not just limited just to be, like, an artist as, like, a famous pop artist or famous artist, like, there's just so many different ways musicians can like make money with what they do. They just have to think about what they want and get creative and create, you know, a plan. Yeah. The, um, it's the old saying, be careful what you wish for, because, um, you know, that's all fun and good. And, you know, you want to be the pop star and have, you know, the trillions of fans chasing you, but there's a, there's a big cost to that personal freedom and you do have to give up a lot of things to have that kind of life so um for me it's like all about being creative and and that's that's the most satisfying that's my happiness zone when i finish a song or production or something how about you what drives you you said before that the business drives you but um if it came between the two what do you get more excited about being the creative artist or or the business person? So, it's a tough mm-hmm. question, I know. If I had to choose, I would choose music, but I would have to make sure that the music I'm making is impacting people in some way. Like, that's what I care about. Yeah. More, like, I want my music to be heard by millions of people, but I want to make sure that the words I'm saying in my music is, like, making a difference because I feel like I'm here for that reason more than just to be like famous or whatever, like getting Instagram likes, cool. Like it's, it's great for my ego. And he was like, great, I have a cool photo. But when someone's like, oh my God, your song empowers me. Your song makes me feel more confident, more happy, or I can feel my pain through your song or any, like I'm, like I'm reaching people in some way. That is so much more rewarding than just have someone liking an Instagram post because of a good photo. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, I think those are the important reasons, I think, to do music. And I think um, for a lot of people who I've had on the show, I always say, you you have to really keep that in the forefront of your mind. Why did you do this in the beginning? It's I don't think it, for most people who really have that gene, it you know, fame and fortune should be pushed to the side to say, the artistry is the most powerful 
thing because if like like you just mentioned if you can impact somebody's life in a positive way there's nothing more valuable and more rewarding than that and yeah it's great to be successful and and you know be handsomely rewarded for our efforts but but i think we should never lose that idea um because being idealistic there's nothing wrong with that you know it's it's really a great trait to have yeah and like everyone can make an impact in people's lives. They don't have to necessarily be a famous speaker to make an impact in people. Just like being a positive, loving person makes an impact around whoever you're around. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's tons of ways people can make an impact. But at the same time, a lot of artists, I notice them also like a life coach. I notice a lot of artists have really broken mindsets when it comes to limiting beliefs with money and feeling like they even deserve to make money. So there's like this line because like you want to be humble, but you also want to value yourself and not let people take advantage of you and just do everything for free just to get exposure at the same time, in my opinion. Yes. You know? So it's like I like to teach people to just put themselves first, self-love and like value yourself. And when you do that, you teach other people how to treat you. They're like, okay, they respect themselves. I see that. So I feel like I need to respect them. But if they're like, well, like, it's impossible to make money. And like, I'm just going to do everything free all the time. And like, whatever. I mean, it's just not going to help you long term to think like that. Like, you have to value your, your gifts and your abilities and see yourself as a business, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, we're going to play Queen right now. Everybody strap up your seatbelts. Here's the big single, Queen.
So I saw some outtakes of you in the studio working on this and putting it together. Congratulations on the song. Great job. Really a lot of effort and hard work went into this, and it must have been a really fun process. Can you bring us into the studio with, uh, with you, Danny, and share some of the experience of, of creating this? Yeah, this was so much fun and such a challenge. Just, just everything about it was, was hard, I would say. Like reaching a certain note to doing like millions of takes so like being in the dark studio because like my producers were like on the their own floor and I was in their basement. So I was like by myself with like dark lights <clears throat> trying to like get in the right mode to like sing these songs. But it pushed me so much as an artist and it showed me what's possible. It also showed me that you can separate your identity as an artist and a musician. I mean, an artist and a person so that like I can still have that kind of music, but still be a business person. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that was a big thought. I was like, oh my God, I have like a song that might be not appropriate. I can't like put this out here. People will judge me and not take me seriously as a business person, you know? So I feel like that's definitely a legitimate like concern, but I've noticed for some reason, people really love the song and it empowers them and makes them want to like be their most amazing you know, hardcore self and do whatever they want in their life. And if that's what the message does for them, awesome. Like, I'm all for that. But it was amazing. Yeah, I worked with the Invisible Heroes, um, Eden and Danny, and they just they just understood my vision. Like, I told them I want something similar to Imagine Dragons and Lord or Amy Winehouse, like some kind of combination. And they totally hit it on the nail because everyone's always like, oh, my God, like this sounds so much like Imagine Dragons. I'm like, yes. Great. You got <laughs> so, great <yeah>. taste. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, that, that's a that's a great band. And, and really, you, you all did a really fantastic job. I don't believe I just said y'all. Did I say y'all? I'm not going there. Okay. Even though I live outside of Nashville, I'm not going for the y'all. People make fun of me because I am hanging on to my Northeastern accent at all costs. <laughs> so tell me more about the the adventures of um, the business. And, you know, it must be a really fun thing because when, when you're in the artistic world and then you cross over into the business world and you can kind of combine all of these different skills in a way mm -hmm. at times and find solutions based on what you've learned and you've, you've had experience. And, and I'm sure going to London to work was a really fabulous, um, you know, part of your, become part of your arsenal of experiences to share with people. Um, how about this? How about, did you have like, what was your most challenging case as far as coaching or helping somebody where you were kind of frustrated with them thought you were going to lose them because they were just not getting it. And then finally something clicked. Can you, do you have anything like that you could share? Mm, I guess I get frustrated most when people need my help, but they don't want to change or do the work. Okay. Or they don't want your help, even though they need it. Yeah. But like quote unquote need it. But it's like what I've learned this year is that you can't force people to change you can't force people to be different and the more you try the more they push like resistance so i am learning to let people have control of their own lives and make decisions and come to me when they want to work with me and not try to force people like oh you're negative like you're a bad person like you need my help you know so that probably didn't really answer a question but like that's like a really big thing that i've had to learn is just you know if a client wants to work with me, great. If they feel like, okay, we're done, that's cool too. I'm not going to pressure people because I used to do that and that just turned a lot of people off. And so I realized that the more I just focus on whatever I'm working on at the moment, that somehow attracts clients. Like, it's kind of weird when I stop trying, you know, and I'm just doing my own whatever business adventures. Um, people just, they see what I'm doing and they're like, oh, I want to be part of that. Like, how'd she do that? Yeah. So I'd say my biggest challenge has been having to close my company due to me and a business partner not getting along, trying to, it just, it was just a whole drama. So yeah. that, that was a huge challenge for sure. Like having to start over 
after I built something for like, I think it was at least five years and someone just coming in and it just, it was probably my fault for like not being aggressive enough and just kind of letting it happen and just letting them kind of take over without me like thinking twice about it. And then eventually I was like, this doesn't seem right. You know, like this doesn't feel right anymore. I need to have my own path. So that was really hard. (laughs) Business relationships are very difficult. Um, Mm-hmm. And yeah, things happen like that. You just, they come out of left field and it, it is really difficult, but God bless you for starting over and uh, keeping it going. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Just back yeah. to the point that, that you had made, it sounds like, you know, the old people want solutions, but a lot of them don't want to put in the hard work and I don't care what you're selling. You know, you can create any path for somebody, but if they don't put in the work, it's just like nothing will work. You know, they, they have to really do the work uh, to make it happen and be consistent about it, too. And the mindset. I mean, the mindset is the biggest part. So if, like, you you don't want something, if you don't believe that it's possible, it will not be possible. Yeah. So if you're like, this is really hard to make, like, that's the biggest example of artists. So, like, it's impossible to make money. No one's paying me money. Money's really hard to come by. Everything's really hard. Then they're absolutely attracting that into their life, yeah. you know? And I think that's a lot of, a lot of, I think artists really need to learn that because a lot of people in general need to learn that. But I think especially creative people that they do create their own reality. And it's a huge part of what you believe is possible. Um, but there's also, you know, the missing piece a lot is also the subconscious mind, you know, and what people what people don't even realize that they that they don't believe. So it's really deep. <laughs> I notice you're trying to get hooked up with Gary V. I saw some posts you did on uh, social media about uh, wanting to connect with him. So Gary V is is in your bucket list, uh, not a bucket list, but um, who else as far as thought leaders um, mm. do you follow, you know, that are not necessarily in the music space, but could be, but also could be outside of that, like who have you read, gone to seminars, or just followed and, you know, garnered some information from that that kind of inspired and helped you? Yeah, I mean, I would say um, a lot of people, like Sarah Longoria was in her program for a while this year, um, who I met from Jordan Rystrom. And so both of them are really into EFT work. And so I learned a lot about emotional freedom technique and using that as a way to deal with a lot of emotions and a lot of hard stuff. Um, so that has really changed my life because that is a tool now that I use with my clients to help them through everything from fear, anxiety, anger, frustration, and just like learning about seeing the world as a mirror and that when you're triggered about something, realizing it's something that bothers you about yourself um, or something you've done in the past. And it's not necessarily about that person. It's about something that happened in your past. It's reminding you of that situation. And so when you tap on that, you shift the energy like somehow and it changes the situation between you and whoever you're fighting about or whatever. It's seriously the closest thing I've seen to magic. And so, like, that has, like, changed my life. And and who was this person? Because I missed it when you said it. Oh, sorry. Sarah Longoria um, and Jordan Rystrom, they're both, like, they're both up there with all of this. So it's been really powerful to learn from them. Um, yeah, I did a whole course with her on just um, Sarah's course on money, you know, and manifesting, shifting your relationship with money talking to money and just like seeing money as an energy and not just like a physical thing. And that has totally changed my whole perspective. Another thing that I love teaching people in the music industry, because like there's just so much to learn, you know, it's, yeah. it's so, it never ends. So you're, <laughs> a f- you're a fan of, of learning as well. Not just, not just doing, but you seem to be, you know, connected. Uh, do you, do you read a lot of books too? Do you go to seminars? What's your favorite thing? Mm, I watch a lot of like webinars and I've done like a lot of coaching programs. Yeah. I buy a lot of books. I don't finish a lot of them because I have like, like, yeah, shiny object. This looks really cool. I feel yeah. like I'm going to learn if I buy this book and then I read like 20 pages and I'm like, okay, well, 
that was fun but now I'm not interested right now in that book. And I feel like that's just like our generation in general. Like yeah. everyone just like, <laughs> yeah, book. Okay, cool. Next, next thing. I'm guilty of the <laughs> same thing. I, I have a stack of them next to my bed. And uh, I started uh, reading Life After Google by George Gilder. And mm. for anybody out there who, who knows who this man is, you cannot read anything from him without a big fat dictionary next to you because this guy's mm. vocabulary is like to the moon and back. It's just like crazy. But yeah, it is, it is, um, it's, it's good to keep on, you know, like having that connection with people who are sort of cutting edge, who are always investigating and trying. But again, the threshold has to be guarded, you know, very jealously about your time because we all fall into mm -hmm. that. I don't want to give away my time because that I can't get back. I can right. always make more money and do things like that, but I can't get my time back. So um, I'm getting more and more guarded uh, as I get older as to, all right, if I'm going to commit to something, I really want to know that this is the thing, you know? Yeah. Well, to, to solve that, I actually started charging just to talk to just to talk to me for like 30 minute strategy sessions, which a lot of times in the coaching industry, we're taught that's supposed to be free. But when I started charging people, I started filtering out people that actually are serious, you know, versus right. people just want free information. And that's actually helped me a lot. So I recommend anyone do that, you know, and really value your time. So it is the only thing we have. Yeah. Out of everything. Like that's the only thing that we have. So Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, as we're starting to come down to the end here, Danny, um, can you um first of all, I'd like you to just Tell us the best place to connect with you. We'll put all the links of all your socials in the show notes so people can connect. But your favorite and best place, where should people go to uh, learn all about Danny Felt? Sure. So they can go to Danny Felt Music. They can go on Instagram, Danny Felt Music. They can go on Facebook, Danny Felt Music. And if they want to learn more about just like my business side, DannyFelt.com, they can just Google Danny Felt. They'll find many things. So. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> How about um, as we're parting ways, uh, is there anything you would like to say to our collective audience, um, which is sprinkled around the world in 71 countries, as a parting um, words of wisdom or best wishes or anything you'd like to say uh, just in parting to all of those who have probably taken away some real value from our conversation today? And I can't thank you enough for that. Thank you. I would just say never give up. Like never give up on your dreams. Do what you love. Take action. Just take it one step at a time. I know it can get overwhelming if you like look at the huge picture. So just do one thing. Make a call. Do an email. Write a song. Do a session. Just take it one step at a time and never stop believing in yourself because at the end of the day, that's what you have is yourself. You know, other people can cheer you on or not, but it's, it's up to you, ultimately. It's, it's up to us, you know. And, I mean, me personally, I always ask angels to help me with everything, you know. I believe everyone has guides that can help them, but they don't usually do it unless you ask. So that's, that's a huge recommendation. Ask your guides to help you. Ask to be guided. Ask for signs. Ask to be connected to the right people. That has helped me hugely. And visualize what you want and see it. Like, picture the check. Picture getting signed, picture whatever is the message you want to hear, you know, make it happen and don't just wish on it, take action and, you know, keep your vibration high, like meditate, you know, be really aware of what you listen to, what you spend your time and energy, you know, listening to, watching, doing, it all affects you. So yeah, all of that. <laughs> Excellent. Danny Felt, thank you so much for being a part of the Dharmic Evolution. Really appreciated you coming on and sharing your wisdom and your music with us today. And just want to wish uh, all of God's blessings on you, your family, your music. And um, I know we both miss that East Coast pizza and cheesesteaks. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's a wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials, I'll see you from the stage, but let's
let's not forget to all stay connected. I was connected. Everybody knew my name. Wise guys and movie stars would line up like cocaine. I was connected. I was the master in God we trust. Yeah.